Walk in Your Excellence. I'm your host, Sean Larry, and thanks for listening to this week's episode of Walk in Your Excellence. You know, as a black man in America, you sometimes feel like you have to change who you are in certain settings. You may have to look a certain way, adjust how you act. You might even have to cold switch a little bit. But why? Why should you be forced to be somebody you're not? Paul Lawrence Dunbar wrote a poem, We Wear the Mask. And the first two lines of that poem are, we wear the mask that grins and lies, it hides our cheeks and shades our eyes. The main idea of that poem is that sometimes we all hide behind a mask, masking our feelings, our identity, and for a myriad of reasons, so many of us put on our masks just to make ourselves more comfortable in given situations. My short advice, although it's easier said than done, I get it, you have to take off that mask. The path to your happiest and best life is to only speak and live your truth. Today's guest is a prime example of someone who is unapologetically himself and an inspiration to all. He's going to touch on spirituality, sexuality, and what it means to be a black graduate of a historically black university. This special guest, Dennis Knight, is a very good friend of mine. He is an educator and an ordained elder. This change agent obtained both his master's and his bachelor's degree in English with a concentration in literature. And let me tell you, you have to see this man stand in front of high school students. He is able to make students fall in love with literature like no other teacher I've ever seen before. He's a published author, which of course we're gonna hear more about during the show. And it is my pleasure to welcome my good friend and frat brother, Dennis Knight. Welcome, Dennis. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm great. That was a great introduction. <laughs> I, I mean, it wasn't about me. It was about you. <laughs> so, Dennis, I want to first thank you for coming on the show. Um, I want to pick your brain a little bit and hear about your amazing journey, which is uh, one that is unmatched, in my opinion. Uh, and I, I firmly believe that there are so many people out there who who are going to be inspired by you. So tell us. I hope so. Tell us who Dennis is. Oh, my God. Dennis is an oxymoron okay in so many ways um that's the teacher in you yeah i'm a living contradiction like i don't um fit a mold Mm -hmm. um i go against the grain so that's dennis Mm. i'm not i'm not what you would expect interesting yeah you're not what we expect i I mean i'm I'm pretty sure we'll hear a little bit more about that but um now i i know that you you love i well i love to write like you know that i i'm an author myself um and i've been writing since i was a kid i know that you love literature you love writing uh i published my first book when i was 23 and so i the power of words is really important to me absolutely uh i opened up with paul lawrence dunbar's poem and i'm wondering do you think that that you wear a mask at all through life i don't now Mm. If you were to ask me that question ten years ago, okay. I had I was full costume. Wow. Mask. Not just mask. Not just mask, just a complete um I I wanted to be what everyone else wanted me to be. Mm. So it, it caused me to cover up um and not to be authentic. Today, mm. no, Dennis does not wear a mask. Yeah. Um, what you see is what you get. Right. Um, I step out and I walk in my full truth each and every day. Nice. Um, if I decide to wear a mask, it's for a party. Right. <laughs> and it's coming off. <laughs> uh, but but no, I don't wear a mask now. Tell me why. Tell me why. I know you touched on it briefly, but why did why did you wear a mask before? Um, I guess I was finding my way in the world, and mm. when you're trying to find your way in the world, mm-hmm. um, you don't know who you really are, so you're trying different things and you're fitting on different things. Um, and my thing was I wanted to make sure that I fit in. Like mm. For a long time, I, I just wanted to fit in. I wanted to be accepted by 
the people that were closest to me and mm-hmm. around me. Mm-hmm. And I felt that sometimes me being authentic and me being truthful and me being without the mask, that that, that people really wouldn't accept me mm-hmm. for who I am and what I was. Um, but I, I quickly got over that yeah. like, um, and decided that if I had to walk this journey by myself and alone, then that's what I was going to do. Yeah. But I was not going to compromise who I was to fit someone else's stereotype or to fit what someone else thought I should be or what they wanted me to be. Yeah, and at what age do you think you did that, that transition happen? Oh, God. Um, probably around 22, 23. Okay. Is when, really, when I, um, really when I stepped into it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's when I came out to my family gotcha. when I was 23. So Well, don't jump ahead. Okay. We're going okay. to get there. Okay. <laughs> we're going to get there. Um, tell me, um, now, you work at a high school yes. in New Jersey. Yes, of uh, course. <laughs> How did you know? One of the best high schools <laughs> in New Jersey. Uh, tell, us, tell us, when did you beci- decide to become an educator? I became an educator by mistake. Okay. On accident. Because okay. I, I never. Well, I don't know because I, I firmly believe that you're called into this yeah, life. This is, not I agree. The, this is not an easy life. I agree. Um, I, when I first went to college, I took a personality test. Okay. And the personality test told me that I should be a teacher or a minister. Hmm. Um, and one part of that was already taken care of before I got to college. The minister part. Yeah, the minister part. Okay. But I just refused to be an educator. Hmm. I did not want to be an educator, probably because I gave. My past teacher so much hell. Right. I was like, no, I'm not dealing with other right. people's kids. I'm going to do that. <laughs> and then after graduating with my undergraduate degree and discovering that there was really not many jobs out there for people with English degrees. Besides yeah. going to a classroom yeah, and teach. Yeah. Exactly. Kind of sort of. Yeah. <laughs> and I fell into education thanks to um, a friend of mine mm-hmm. who um, knew that they were hiring back in my hometown mm-hmm. and stepped into the classroom. And have not I have not turned back since. Yeah. I absolutely love the work that I do. Yeah. Um, I absolutely being able. Um, I love the opportunity to touch kids, um, to give them a different perspective, uh-huh. and then at the same time teach literature. Like nice. I absolutely love what I do. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I heard you have a really good principal too. Oh no. Word around word around town <laughs> is you know it's this black man walking around here in his excellence <laughs> always leading the people always you know. <laughs> You know, oh, doing man. great things. No, I, I value um, um, as an educator, like Dennis, the things that you do, and just to be this model example of like what Black excellence looks like every wow. single day in the classroom. You know, it's it's it, you inspire me, and so wow. I just want you to know that. Um, I want to take you back a couple years to college because I hear about this all the time. Um, so and so, honestly, like I didn't go to an HBCU. Um, I but I grew up on the, we all grew up on the shows yeah. Cosby Show, A yeah. Different World, Absolutely. and like the Different World that showcased Black excellence like nothing I've ever seen. Yeah. It's still unparalleled to this day. No show can match it. Yeah. Um, it gave you a taste, of just a little bit of like what it really Absolutely. like feels like to be a Black person going to college. Yeah. And, and been and then being surrounded by other Black people who have the same mission who are like-minded, yeah. who want more from life. Yeah. Uh, and I always wanted that. I ultimately decided to go to a <laughs> PWI. But you, sir, you are a proud graduate of an HBCU. Yes. And I want you to tell us. Double graduate. I, a double graduate. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Get, right? You better correct me. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about how you think your college experience has shaped who you are today. Man. Walking on the campus of the North Carolina Central <laughs> University. <laughs> home of the Eagles. Founded in 1910 by Dr. <laughs> James C. Shepard. Okay, but history. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, being at an HBCU has got to be like one of the most 
um, transformational decisions that I've ever made in my life. Mm. Um, it is nothing like being around a group or just the entire campus of black intellectuals, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and there's there's so much diversity even in the African American and black People community. Forget that. Like we are so diverse, <clears throat> excuse me, in so many ways, mm-hmm. and just to be able to be in classrooms and to discuss literature and to discuss politics and the social climate of the day mm-hmm. with other black people, going for pushing for the same missions that you are having, the same drive that you have mm-hmm. is a, it absolutely drives you to be the best student that you can be. To see um, students running um, student-led organizations on campus and and making big changes on campus and doing great things inside of our college campus and right. inside the community that our campus was surrounded around. It was life-changing, and it, it kept me going, like those days where I was tired because I worked my way all the way through college. Okay. So on those days, even where I felt tired, I felt a responsibility to show up, mm-hmm. not just be there, but to show up and be fully engulfed in the experience of my learning and getting my education. Um, it was it, it was one of the best decisions of my life to to go to a HBCU. Nice. Yeah. That was really, oh, man. Got yeah. me a little bit emotional, yeah. man. There, and plus. I only wanted to go because of the marching bands. and like the, the marching like, band, homecoming, <laughs> like, pre-dawns, <laughs> walking on the yard. Like, there is just so much more, so yeah. much more oh my than just the academics. Like, it's, oh, my God, just the entire experience. I know. It is nothing like. Go attending and graduating, not just attending, <laughs> but graduating, graduating right. from an HBCU. I love it. And so while you were there, I know that you became a member of a fraternity. What was that experience like? <sighs> oh, what was that experience like? Um, that's another life-changing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, I, I absolutely love, love my, my fraternity. Right. I love my blue fire. Um, I love my line brothers. My line brothers are the absolute best mm-hmm. uh, because they took they took me in. Mm. My fraternity, we exemplify what it means to be a brother. I love that. Um, and to see a group, it was 11 of us, mm. and to see 11 of us coming from so many different places, so many different experiences, mm-hmm. and they welcome and they take in all of Dennis. Not just some of Dennis, but all of Dennis. Yeah. Um, and I am forever grateful for that. Um, I'm grateful for the work that we were able to do while I was on campus. Even when I'm not there, I still, you know, check up on my undergraduate chapter and just the work that they're doing in the community and making a name for Sigma and mm-hmm. being about our principles of brotherhood, scholarship, yeah. and service. It. Again, life changing. Yeah, and I mean, I can definitely really. Obviously, I asked that the question a little indirectly, but we both are members of Phi Beta, the Phi Beta Sigma the, Fraternity yes. Incorporated. Absolutely. And like what you're saying, definitely re- resonates with me. Um, my line brother, uh, my ace, like is like my go-to for everything. I literally was calling him last yeah. night, like, "Yo, yeah, that's like, my friend." We, it's like yeah. my, my best friend, my yeah. blood brother, and he is an only child. Oh, wow. And so, a part of the reason why he joined the frat was because he wanted that sense of brotherhood. I come from a million siblings, <laughs> like in a huge family, so I didn't need much yeah, more. Absolutely. And so, like, it's so interesting how we can go to college and and we have different missions when we get there, and like things yeah. can like pull us in different directions. And yeah. he joined for different reasons, and I joined for different. reasons. Reasons, but like the bond that we have is so unbreakable. Yeah. I would die for this man, Absolutely. and like that's what the, the brotherhood really Absolutely. teaches you. Um, and so, 
I know I also joined my fraternity because I felt a, I needed a sense of belonging. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you can relate to that, but I am about to go there with you on something that might be a sensitive topic for some, probably yeah. not a sensitive topic for you, um, but for so many black men, it is a sensitive topic. And while I think our country has made massive progress in terms of uh, where we are yeah. within the LGBTQ movement, there's still a lot of room for growth. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, I want you to tell us a little bit about your sexual orientation, like what that means for who you are. Well, in case you can't tell, I'm gay. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. And, I, I, you know, I'm so fine with saying that um, because it, it's Which who is I, transfer, transformative you know, in and of itself, it, it, just saying that. It is that. what it is. Um, I told my line brothers this mm-hmm. when we first met. Like, you know, if you can't tell, then it is what it is. My voice gives me away a lot, mm-hmm. which... It, when I was 18, that that would irritate me because people would automatically put a label on me just mm-hmm. by hearing me speak and talk. Yeah. Um, but then I found out that my voice is power. Yes. So you're going to take, yes. every, every time I open my mouth and I speak, whatever label you want to throw on me, you do it. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the conversation, I guarantee and I promise you, I'm going to change your mind and perspective That's about powerful. every single label that you have placed upon me. Um, have you ever, I just, sorry to cut you off, I just have to answer this, ask this question. Have you ever felt any like resentment, you know, towards like those who can sort of disguise their sexuality? If you know what I'm saying, like for you, you said that like people would see it, and yeah. you said like you even launched with like yeah. if it's not obvious, I'm gay, yeah. right? But for those who like you can't just tell the, the what a, the stereotypical sort of like Trait. gay character characteristics, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever felt resentment towards that? I wouldn't say resentment. I haven't felt resentment towards them. Um, maybe a little envious because they're mm. able to, you know, um, as we call it, passing. Passing, right. You know, if I were to go to my literature, African-American right. lit roots, Come on. They were a- they're able to pass within this culture. So mm. um, a little envious about their ability to pass, yeah. right? Because before I, I stepped into who I really was and I was able to claim that I'm gay, mm-hmm. like, I wanted to be able to disguise, but I couldn't always. So I had to defend myself a lot, which mm. I really, really hated. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Gotcha. Um, it is what it is. Um, being gay just means that I love other men. Right. That's all that means. Okay. That I love other men. I'm yeah. a human being. I'm a son. Um, I'm a Christian. Okay. Uh-huh. And I, and, and a lot of people don't like to mix those two. They uh-huh. don't like to mix, uh, spirituality and sexuality, but I, I love to do it because, again, it's about visibility, yeah. right? A lot of people don't get to see what I would call normal mm-hmm. black gay men. Like, mm-hmm. they see stuff on TV, yeah. and they get everything that has been hyped up, right. you know, loving hip-hop, mm-hmm. the hype up. Like, I'm not sitting in a restaurant throwing cups. Right. Right. It's because drinks are expensive. Come on. You know? I'm, I'm not, not trying I'm to not throw dr- this $14 throwing, <laughs> New York City drink. I'm not throwing drinks. Right. Like, I go to work every day. Mm-hmm. Right? I love my family. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to pay bills and make my way in the world. That's yeah. what I'm trying to do. And my goal each and every day is to make sure that I'm I'm trying to push showing the realness of what it means to be black and yeah. gay um, and an intellectual and productive in society yeah. and a change agent. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm trying to do each and every day. Yeah, man, are you, I, I, we're not even going to have enough time to talk about all the stuff <laughs> I want to talk about. You, I'm sorry. you have so many things I want to address on from spirituality, sexuality, black and gay. I don't know where to go with this, but I want, what do you think is like one challenge 
Like you're not only like black, right? Yeah. Which is already a yeah. level of of systemic oppression that yeah. is upon us. Yeah. You now add a subsection of of oppression yeah. of being black and gay. Yeah. What would you say is like one of the hardest things about being black and gay? Uh, fighting the stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Um, fighting the stereotypes within the black community. Mm, tell me more. The African-American community, we just historically, we wrestle with sexuality, um, especially when it's not heteronormative Mm -hmm. um, because we are so deep-rooted. The African-American community, I don't care where you go, we're just so rooted in religion and spirituality that it's hard for people to accept because of so many preconceived notions about what God accepts and what he doesn't accept was an abomination to God. So always having to wrestle with my people Mm -hmm. just because I'm gay, Yeah. right? I'm in this fight with you because we're black. We're trying to fight for our place in the world. Mm -hmm. We're trying to advance the black agenda. Mm -hmm. There's not a black gay agenda. We just want to be seen like black people want to be seen. That that that's what that's all that is. We just want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be respected, mm. and we want to be left alone so we can love who we love. Facts. And just do what we need to do in this world. Facts. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like you touched on, and I want to dig even deeper, right? So, yeah. black already <clears throat> level of oppression. Yeah. Gay already level of oppression. Now, black, gay, and the conflict when you bring in spirituality, yeah. right? Like growing up yeah. in my family, like we were in church on every Sunday, every all Sunday, day, every hungry Wednesday. at four o'clock PM. Like <laughs> I hope grandma at home and the food is ready when oh, I get there. Oh, grandma left the food on the stove. Facts, right? Like a Wednesday night prayer, Tuesday night choir rehearsal, yeah. Friday night youth ministry. Yeah. And so you, like as a black gay man growing up, like you sort yeah. of, I, I mean, personally, I felt like I would be at the altar like sort of like trying to pray it off absolutely right and so talk to me a little bit about the conflict that that black gay christians go through i spent i spent most of my i spent a great part of my life fighting it Mm. Uh, because you go to church and you hear things in church um and i come from a very small community so church was a big part of the community Right. right so you i wanted to make sure that i fit fit into everything that the church at that time, mm-hmm. meant to me what it stood for, and I did not want to be the outlier. Mm. Um, so, I spent a lot of time praying to God, Lord God, take this away. Like this is not Your word, right. Your word, Lord. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what I've been taught because I had I hadn't read it for myself. Like, yeah. but Your word, Lord God, I want to make sure that I follow Your word. So take this away from me, strip it from me. You know, I don't want the desires of it. Just yeah. take this away. And I prayed this for years and years and years. And it was not until um, I had some silent time because I believe in prayer. Yeah. I deeply believe in prayer. I deeply believe in prayer being communication, mm. two-way communication. So I deeply believe in staying t- so that I can hear from God what he needs to tell me, what he has to tell me. Right. And I remember, like, in, in the frenzy of praying, God, take it away. God, take it away. God just simply spoke to me like, I don't. I have no problem with you, mm. and like having that realization, being in that room, talking to God, being at at the lowest of the low that I was at my time of life. That was the I had just flunked out of college for the first time. Wow! Um, I, I I had like completely I had failed, completely and like left. failed out of college, leaving. Had received a letter, thanks for coming, but goodbye, go. Wow! Um, and I was at my low point, and. 
a, a big part of that was because I was so busy fighting who I was and my mm-hmm. sexuality mm-hmm. and God that I really couldn't focus on what I was supposed to be doing in school. Gotcha. So um, having that conversation with God, knowing that at the end of the day, God accepts me for who I am. There's nothing that he wants more than my heart mm-hmm. to know that I long to to know him, to know that I long to worship him, mm-hmm. to know that I long to seek him and to do right by other people. That's all he longs for. Right. He could care less who I love. He wow. could care less who I love. Yeah. Like he just wants to know that I love him and that everything that I do is driven by my passion for him. That makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Wow. That was powerful, Dennis. That was powerful. And I think that like so many people need to hear that, right? Yeah, absolutely. So many people need to Absolutely. A lot of people need to hear that baby, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. There's no other prayer that you need to pray except for God fix my heart and my mind mm. that I can please you. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Stop fighting yourself and wrestling yourself for something that God really cares not much about. Wow. He cares about your heart. Where is your heart for him and where is your heart for people? Mm. That's all God cares about. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I feel like I can end this interview with that. <laughs> like you you got me feeling some sort of way. Um well, thank you for that, Dennis. I know I mean, it's a, it's deep. It's a it's a deep-rooted issue within our community. Yeah. Um this idea of, like black masculinity and what it means oh. to be a man and all that. I don't oh, even want to get there. I don't want to go there with you right now. No, we ain't got that. time for it. <laughs> Uh, listen, you're 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 a Southern boy. I mean, it's I obvious. It's obvious. You I are am. a Southern North boy. North Carolina born and raised. <laughs> and you know, I think that it, it's just a different world up here. Like you moved your life up up top. I did. The the it's faster. The people are a little meaner. Like, uh, but but you, the the LGBTQ movement is so huge up here. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Like I can imagine it's drastically different than what it is absolutely. in North Carolina. Like. What does that mean? Like, how was how the dating scene for you here now that you are in, like, a, like, the Big Apple? And someone who is, like, out of the closet, like, are you single? Are you seeing someone? What's going on there? What's dating? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's when two people sort of, like, have dinner um, yeah, and figure, I figure it out. I have so long, so. Um, I'm single. Oh. Yeah. Single. <laughs> single. Yeah, I'm single, single and ready to mingle. Single and ready to mingle. I'm single. Uh, you know, I've had a chance to go on a few dates around here. Okay. Um, are they different than what they are in the South? Men are men. Oh, f- I facts. don't care where you go. Yep. North Carolina. Right. Asia. Right. <laughs> back over to Africa. <laughs> men don't are matter. men. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so um, I haven't done much dating because since I moved here, like I, I've dedicated myself to my work. Which nice. doesn't always work in my favor, right? Because right. you need that time away. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so I've done a little dating. Um, men are men, no matter where you go. Um, I'm grateful that men are more open here yeah. than they are in the South. That makes um, sense. There's not so many battles that you have to fight. Mm-hmm. But essentially, I mean, like, yeah, that means your options will be more open. Options are not always good, Sean. They're not always a good thing. Okay. You That's know, true. You know, I say that all the That's time. That's true. You do say that. You do talk you about do that. say that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need a lot of options. You're right. You're because- right. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation <laughs> for a whole other podcast. Oh, man. So from, from one author to another, like, I know how difficult it is to get published, bro. Yeah. I know how difficult it is to get published. But you are a published author. Finally. Like, you, you, like, we didn't get into the, like, details of yeah. you flunking out, right? Yeah. Which is, like, a challenge, obviously. Yeah. But not only did you get back into school. Yeah. 
you graduated, yeah. got your master's, yeah. and then became a published author. That's a huge accomplishment, yeah. man. Yeah. That's big. Tell yeah. me about your, your piece. Um, so I um, published a piece in the James Baldwin Review. Okay. Um, my thesis for my master's program was centered around um, James, two of James Baldwin's first novels, Go Tell It on the Mountain and mm. Giovanni's Room. Um, so I published my piece that I did about um, Go Tell It on the Mountain, mm -hmm. which is about um, this young boy um, from New York by the name of John Grimes. Okay. And he comes from a very religious family. Mm. And he's dealing with coming into his own, mm -hmm. right? Coming into himself, um, but at the same time fighting religion and fighting sexuality. Wow! How ironic! How ironic! <laughs> How ironic! Oh my God! It was like it's like one of one of the things that I'm most proud about because yeah. it touches on so many things that I believe that I know, um, and and obviously relates to your life it to relates, a certain extent. Like I feel like I was sitting with James Baldwin. Wow. having conversations with him while he was writing it. And James Baldwin was a prodigy of the church. He was a 17-year-old minister right. as well. And correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't he, wasn't he gay or there yeah, was speculation absolutely. as well? There's no speculation. Oh, he was gay. <laughs> it's facts. Yeah, facts. He was gay. Um, but he, he lived in such a way where he was so unapologetic mm. for being who he was. He did not accept the labels mm -hmm. at the time because those labels were so... It was just so much going on right. in the world during his time. Right. But, yeah, so I was so happy to be able to publish that piece. I talked about masculinity in the African-American community. Mm -hmm. um, I talked about spirituality and dealing with sexuality mm -hmm. in the African-American community. Um, it's just so much in those pages that I wrote. Like, I, I put my it. blood, sweat, and tears into writing that piece. Like, I love it so much. Yeah. Like, that was that's something that I am so proud about. And what's your next step? Like, where do you see yourself in five, ten years? Ooh, Jesus. Is this a date? <laughs> this is not a date. <laughs> um, I see myself publishing again. I, okay. I've been doing some writing on the side. I nice. haven't been talking, talking a lot about it. Okay. But I've been doing some writing at home on the side. So I'm looking forward to... Um, publishing some more um, pieces, mm -hmm. um, continuing to grow in education, which is something that I never thought I would be doing, um, possibly looking at other avenues within education, Okay. possible administration things somewhere down the line. Oh, well, that, well, that's good to know. I know I'm sure. I, I have some, <laughs> some sure. thoughts on where we can put you. <laughs> I'm sure. That is awesome. I'm sure. So, yeah, um, continuing to grow and learn, hopefully um, find – um, someone I can take home to mom. Okay. Um, That's the goal. So you I, do want to I settle down. I want to settle down. Okay. I, I want to share my life with one significant person, mm -hmm. possibly build an empire. You okay. know, maybe one kid. Nice. Maybe one. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at that age where I'm ready to do that, and I'm tired of my mom asking about when I'm going to bring somebody home. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's good to hear. What advice, Dennis, do you have that you can give to, like, young kids who are in high school and aspiring to go to an HBCU? Be you. Mm. Um, explore everything about you. Explore every difference that you have. Mm -hmm. um, and be ready to step onto that campus and, and use that to make change on your campus and to become visible for, because that, I mean, you just might be the only one of you on your campus. Mm. So be prepared to, because a lot of HBCUs are smaller schools. Right. Um, so be, be prepared to be you and to, um, to enjoy the experience. 
more than anything else. Enjoy the experience. Know why you went there. Um, let that lead and drive you um, to doing the things that you do. But be engulfed in the experience. Take advantage of every opportunity that's presented to you at an HBCU. Go to the games. Mm-hmm. Um, go to the forums that they have and the programs that the organizations um, have on campus. Join organizations. Mm-hmm. Get involved. Um, get to know the administration at your school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, find, and make sure you take... African-American literature classes, mm-hmm. African-American history classes, mm-hmm. African-American music classes. Get to know your culture. Yeah. This is the yeah. perfect time to be taught by people that look like you. Yeah. People that have sat in the same seats that you have. Mm-hmm. If you're going to an HBCU and you're not taking those diaspora classes, yeah. you are wasting your opportunity. Yeah. And what you have to say also resonates to those for people like me, Absolutely. right? Like when I went to Cornell... I definitely like sought out like what is the Africana Research Studies centers like telling me like who are the black teachers that I can lean on and learn from and be mentored by like when you get to a school like Cornell little old black kid from the hood navigating those experiences you know I think like I would never compare our two experiences obviously but like navigating that space was a whole different ball game versus like a group of people who look like you at least that's a start to figure out like okay we're in this together let's figure it out what what do you want god to say when you arrive at the pearly gates hey boo (laughs) (laughs) um I love that. You know, I would, if if I stepped there at those gates and he was like, Dennis, me, you need to talk. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> when do you want to talk? Because, bruh, I got some stuff I have to get off my chest. Right. I've been holding <laughs> to this very time where I saw you face to face and discuss with you what's been going on in the world. I love um, it. I want him to be proud. Yeah. I want him to be very proud of what he created. Mm-hmm. And I want him to be proud to make the decision that on March 25th, 1986, mm-hmm. he was going to hand me to Dennis and Sherry. I love it. And put me in this world. I want him to be proud. Yeah. I want him to be proud that I shook the table. Yeah. I love and it. And I made people nervous. I hear it. I hear it. And I didn't do what everybody wanted me to do. That's I wanted to be proud. I, if anything else, I wanted to be proud. And then I want to hug my grandmothers. Yeah. Wow. I do. That's powerful, Dennis. Well, I mean, I'm no comparison, but for what it's worth, I am proud. Like, I watch you every day. I know you as a friend. Um, and what you have to bring is unparalleled to this world. Thank you. So Thank you. Um, I had a phenomenal time speaking with you, Absolutely. brother. Like, your Always. story, your journey is, is like, so inspiring. Um, you know, got me so emotional at some points because I just relate on so many different yeah. levels. Uh, so I thank you for coming in, for well, sharing, for um, sharing your life with us. Tell us, Dennis, where can people find you? I am on Facebook. Okay. Um, as a matter of fact, if you follow the hashtag, hashtag daughters and gentlemen, you'll find me. But um, it's Dennis Knight on Facebook. Okay. Um, that's spelled D-E-N-N-I-S. Please don't put an E at the end of my name because I'm not Denise. I know I sound like her, but I'm not her. I'm Dennis. Um, Dennis Knight. Um, you can follow me on Facebook. Um, Instagram underscore the real D and G underscore. Uh, you're going to see a lot of my videos there. Awesome. Which um, are hilarious, by my, the way. A lot of my videos. So please, y'all y'all go follow my page. Yes, yes. Make me IG famous. I love it. So I can I love teach it. from IG. <laughs> 
Oh, uh, well, you heard it here first, uh, Mr. Dennis Knight, the author, the minister, the educator. Uh, thanks, folks, for listening in. This is your host, Sean Larry. Until next episode, define who you are, follow your passion, speak your truth, be unapologetically you, and remember, always walk in your excellence. Walk in Your Excellence is recorded at Necessary Studios in New York City. Produced by myself, Maya, and Nikki. Follow us on Instagram at NEC Studios. I'm your host, Sean Larry. You can find me on Instagram at Formula22 at Walk in Your Excellence. Tag the hashtag Walk in Your Excellence and visit my website, www.seanlarry.com. That's S-E-A-N-L-A-R-R-Y. Define who you are, follow your passion, speak your truth, be unapologetically you, and always remember to walk in your excellence.